What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of On the Power Play. It's me, your boy, Brian, always joined by my fantastic co-hosts, Matt and Adam. And we did it again, guys. We 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 did it again. I don't have the numbers ready. We Britney Spears it. You Britney Spears it. I Oops. I did it again. I it's was happening. just thinking about who the player was going to be. Like literally, as you hit record, oh, <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting into the weeds mm. here and the numbers. Well, not not only that, but like, man, I got packing to do. Oh, not packing to do. I got uh, wrapping to do. It's Christmas <laughs> season. I'm not thinking of these things. Yet yeah. here we are. Bing's about to go out in the streets and drop some bars. Drop some bars. Uh, what damn episode? <laughs> Think, what are we, 54? Is it 54 or 55? Um, I think it's 54. So, episode 54, David correct. Jones. One Ooh, of the winner selections on this list. David Jones tops <laughs> the list of players to wear 54. He scored 191 points over nine seasons in the NHL. Jones played for the Minnesota Wild in 2015 at 2016. Don't know what wow. that has to do with anything, but there you go. Episode David Jones, very generic name, but you know who isn't generic? My co-host, Matt and Adam. How we doing, gentlemen? Guys. Pretty generic. Well, there you I go. Can't, I can't wait for Christmas. You big Christmas guy? Do- yeah, dude. I, what day you wake up happy in the morning? In your PJs, and you get gifts. It's Easter. Like, Easter. Well, I never really got <laughs> gifts, so I, had I mean, to, that's fair. And I got up, and I had to put it on my church clothes because that's where I went in the morning. Yeah. So Ooh, I'm no jammies. I'm fair. just not chilling. I'm chilling in my PJs. Gonna eat some French toast and some fruit and some good stuff. And you it's know, like the toast. best morning ever. My grandmother and I have quite the tradition as well, where we have mimosas. And cinnamon buns Christmas morning. Bro, you sound like every girl in their mid-20s in the Damn. weekends. Like, oh, well, what am I doing during the weekends? I'm going to brunch, drinking mimosas, and drinking French toast. Look, drinking French toast. If, wait a minute. <laughs> if, if, if spending a morning with my grandmother, drinking mimosas, and eating cinnamon buns is a crime, put me in jail. Because it's, it's incredible. Man. Guilty as charged. That's awesome. Guilty as charged. Awesome. Uh, Adam, how about you? What what kind of rituals do you have on Christmas? Uh, really, it's the same as you, just minus the mimosas. Oh, that the, sucks. Do the mimosas. Open what are you the, doing? Uh, always been cinnamon buns. I don't know. Open uh, presents, cinnamon buns, and chill out for the rest of the day till dinner. You know what's underrated? Go on. Is the Christmas Day nap. Yeah. Solidly underrated. You put yeah. on the NBA, and then no. you just—you don't. I do. Yeah. No, I'm not putting most. on any damn basketball, especially in the Sixers. You're playing. Ain't nobody give a damn about the Sixers. Nah, I'm good. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Blasphemous. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh. Well, speaking of blasphemy, guys, the uh, the NHL oh. has uh, gone to absolute shit. Um, so because of the amount of COVID-19 protocol cases within the NHL, the league has decided to pause until Christmas Day, the 25th. And they're going to revisit, I guess, the scheduling or what have you. 
Here's their official statement. The NHL, the NHLPA released a statement here. With no games currently scheduled for Wednesday, December 22nd, because of COVID-related postponements, the National Hockey League and National Hockey League Players Association have agreed to postpone the five games that remain scheduled on uh, Thursday, December 23rd, in order to begin the collective bargained holiday break effective with the conclusion of games tomorrow night, December 21st. Um, Which, I, by the way, the Flyers and Washington game ended up getting canceled because of Washington's COVID situation. So the only game on tonight as we record is uh, Vegas Vegas, and and Tampa. Um, The statement goes on under the revised schedule, December 22nd, December 23rd, December 24th, and December 25th shall be off days for all purposes, including travel. Players will report back to their clubs on December 26th, which shall be used for testing practice and or travel only. Upon return from the holiday break to team facilities, no individual in the team's traveling party shall enter the facility other than for testing purposes until they have had a negative test result. Any practice scheduled for December 26th must begin after 2 p.m. local time. The NHL's regular season schedule will resume on Monday, December 27th. So that'll be next Monday. So that's the next time we get to have hockey I feel like we saw this coming. No, I mean, with the amount of protocols that was going on in the league, I feel like this was a given at some point here. Well, yeah, I agree. Probably. I th- it really felt like the league was just kind of racing towards this Christmas break. Like they were like, all right, let's just get to Christmas break and then reevaluate. And it turned, right. to po- turned to the point where it's like, all right, we're, there's too many team players on different teams that are on COVID protocol just doesn't make sense to keep going right now. Right. right. They just went in the Christmas break now and hopefully, you know, things can kind of ease down and some of these people on the COVID protocol can uh, get off and get healthy and stuff like that. Cause you know, you know, we're only off for like a week or two. Right. So, right. Yeah. And I, I agree with you there, Matt, just because the league seemed like it was just trying to get to the Christmas break as soon as possible to see if they can just reassess what's going on with the COVID situation in the league and so on and so forth. Because of the amount of teams that have been affected, I think 29 of the 32 NHL franchises have been affected uh, with a COVID protocol case uh, somewhere in their ranks. Uh, I can so... actually read the, that stat off here. I have it from uh, hey, go ahead. Cervelli. So as of one o'clock this afternoon, Frank Saravelli tweeted that 131 players reported in active protocol, which is 18% of rosters. Uh, That's up 12 players over a 24-hour period, including seven players that cleared, leaving 24 teams with at least one player in protocol, 50 games postponed, 45 in the last eight days. And there's one game scheduled until December 27th, which is the, as forementioned, Tampa Bay Vegas game, which may or may not still be in jeopardy. At this point, we're a little over two hours out from the game, so I think they're okay. But the way news is trickling in, anything's possible. With, uh, with ticket sales and all that action, I don't foresee that game getting canceled now, at least this close to puck drop, just because, you know, the league's got to make revenue off these things, so on and so forth. But I feel like this is something that we all sort of saw coming and hopefully the league can reassess what's going on after Christmas, maybe even take just like a smidgen more time. Um, 
quite possibly maybe like another week just to let as many players as they can come back from COVID protocol and then start the league back up. I'd be okay with an extra week if it means that we'll be seeing some solid hockey moving forward here. Uh, But also with the NHL being paused, it has been reported first reported actually pretty early by the spit and chicklets podcast that the NHL players will skip the Beijing Olympics uh, less than four months after agreeing to send hockey's top stars to the game, the, uh, the games, the NHL and its players union have reversed course amid a rise in coronavirus cases. So there will be no NHL players in the ranks at the Olympics in Beijing, which does kind of stink, but it opens up a lot more avenues for like high talent junior players to represent their country at the games. But also gentlemen, just, just because the NHLers aren't going doesn't mean that the Olympics are still going to happen, especially with everything that's going on right now. What do you think the chances are that the Beijing Olympics get postponed as well? I'd be very surprised. <clears throat> yeah, I would, I would also be very surprised uh, just because of the amount of planning that has gone forth. Um, however, cancel the summer games. They, they did do that. They did cancel the summer games, but did they? Well, they didn't cancel them completely, but they postponed them. Do you think a postponement might happen and then NHL players will play in the Winter Olympics? That is something that could be discussed here. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, it's hard to like kind of like predict these things as it were, because we couldn't predict this happening, you know, three months ago when everything was kind of hunky dory, people were getting vaccinated, so on and so forth. Um, but now we found we find ourselves in a winter of 2020 scenario here in the winter of 2021, unfortunately. So there will be no NHL players at the Winter Olympics, um, which is unfortunate for the viewer. But I think it does do the NHL good because they don't have to worry about quarantines as far as that is concerned with going to the Olympics, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, we did have to talk about that stuff because obviously it is our due diligence as hockey journalists, in a sense, hockey podcasters, uh, to talk about the COVID news. But we don't want to harp on that because, after all, it is the holiday season. So we got some stuff lined up here. We've reached the Christmas break. We're going to go over the standings, how they look. We're going to go over the league leaders in different categories and how that looks. We even have some NHL historical trivia lined up and I have some quish, uh, yeah, quishmish. I have some Christmas. <laughs> I have some Christmas questions lined up for these gentlemen. Damn it, Brian, learn how to speak. Uh, <laughs> I got the quishmish questions. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I got some Christmas oh. questions lined up for these gentlemen here. Uh, We do have some other NHL news of note to go over real quick. Uh, Let's start with the Jets uh, head coach, Paul Maurice, stepping down as their head coach, citing that um, his his voice just kind of wasn't being heard in the locker room anymore. He was very emotional about it, but it seems like he's a coach that understood that Maybe he hadn't lost the team by any sense, but they needed something more that he couldn't give to them, which is a really fascinating thing to see a coach do because, you know, that's your job. And I'm assuming he didn't want to lose it, but he just seemed like he understood that the team needed a new voice behind the bench, 
What do you guys think about his statement as far as that's concerned? Uh, hearing a head coach basically claim he, for lack of better terms, lost lost the locker room. Well, I think it was kind of a uh, like a kind of like a quick move because at the at the end of the year, if they would have been on the outside looking in, they, the move of him being fired probably would have been inevitable. Uh, so I think he just kind of wanted to get a head start and be like, hey, I could probably, you know, get picked up pretty quick and during the offseason by a team that's looking for a head coach. So, mm-hmm. and then if you, if he would have waited and they kind of, teeter-tattered around firing him and they make the offseason progress and then they fired him he wouldn't have gotten picked up I think that might be his mindset but I think I think he's kind of honest and thorough with the fact that like yeah he probably knows he doesn't his voice isn't carrying weight in the locker room and you know it's tough to motivate players he believes they are a playoff team they're currently on the outside looking in and they believe that they should be a a playoff team so right right and you know we'll go over that when we go over the standings but right now you really couldn't even say they're on the outside because with the amount of really tight teams from spots six to 13 as far as the standings are concerned in the west they're right in the thick of it as far as i'm concerned um so i just thought it was really fascinating to see a coach just kind of call upon himself and say, look, I've kind of lost the locker room a little bit here. I got to, you know, reassess my coaching styles. And I think that this team deserves something new, Uh, which is something that we've talked about prior with the stepping down of, well, not the stepping down, but the firings of the head coaches in Vancouver and Philadelphia guys that had lost their locker room, quote unquote. Uh, But those guys didn't come out and basically say it. Adam, how do, how do you feel about a coach basically saying that he's kind of lost it in a way? Uh, well, I'll start by saying I think we're skimming over a kind of big part of this. And I think this I'm reading through his um, statement on NBC Sports right now, and I'm pretty sure this is a quote from him. Um, but it sounds like he lost his love of the game during the 2020-21 season. Um, and he said, uh, if you lose some of that passion for the game, the love of the game, you can still be good, but you can't be as good as you should be or could be. And that's how I feel I am. So it almost sounds like just that whole bubble period, the whole pandemic period kind of hurt his love for the game. And it kind of steamrolled from there. From all the port, uh, reports I've heard, it sounded like he actually wanted out before this season started. Which is really, you know, interesting in a way, but also I think should be looked at a little bit more in depth because, yeah, the players and the staff were affected and everything like that, but we got to start thinking about, like, coaches and stuff getting yeah. really affected by what happened in the bubble. It, I'm, I'm get, almost going to guarantee it wasn't just Paul Maurice who lost that kind of love for the game because of the bubble situation and all the COVID protocols and stuff. And I think it stretches from players to coaches in, in that aspect. And I mean, Paul Maurice was just to, brave enough to come out and say it. Not to mention either. He's been doing this for a long time. <clears throat> yeah, Paul Maurice has been at it for a while. Uh, I had in Winnipeg. He's been no, in Winnipeg like, for a couple of years. Nine. Coaching in general. Head coach. He started head coaching in the NHL in 
to when we were born. He's been at it and since we've been alive. Yeah. And he was a head coach from 95 to 96 up until the lockout year. Um, 05, 06, he was in the AHL. Then he came back to um, – actually, no, I'm an idiot. That's I'm not reading hockey reference, right? Um, but regardless, he was a head coach from uh, 95, 96, 03, 04. Had a brief stint in uh, Toronto's AHL market. Came back to Toronto for a couple of years until the lockout. And then he's been with the Winnipeg Jets ever since. So he's been at this a very long time. And I'm not, I'm actually almost more surprised this hasn't come about sooner. I mean, sure. But at the same time, you know, we've seen coaches go many, 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 many years doing exactly, you know, what he's doing. Uh, it was it was just very kind of strange, yet also very respectable to me to see a head coach basically say that about himself, you know? Um, <coughs> oh, excuse me. It's, um, it's good, to, I guess, internal awareness, for lack of a better way of putting it. I feel like a lot of people don't have that. Right. Like, you just kind of, they, they push through and they don't really think like, a lot of people just kind of default to, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. I, right. I can't do better. Right. Yeah. And he had the incredible self-awareness to be like, look, I, I don't know if I can keep doing this like, like this right now. And the team deserves better. And I think that's an incredibly respectable thing for a coach to do. Um, but we move forward here. We have another suspension scenario to uh, discuss here. As oh Blackhawks forward Brett Conley suspended four games for his hit on Tanner Kiro of the Dallas Stars, uh, the Blackhawks forward suspended for that hit. For those that haven't seen it, you can definitely hop on Twitter or Google it. It was kind of one of those hits where there was a play uh, along the wall, and he came from a couple of feet and hit a guy that was basically defenseless, didn't have the puck, was turning his head to skate up ice. Um I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt from a couple of angles. I kind of thought that maybe he was trying to play the puck and, you know, Brett Connolly doesn't really have a history of doing stuff like this. And maybe that was the situation, but you look at a couple of the other angles that have come forward since the uh, NHL uh, player safety has done their little video that they always release for these type of things. And the other angles basically say he did, was not trying to play the puck. He was definitely playing the body. And it was a really hard hit at a very inopportune time. And I think that that suspension is solid. The four game suspension for a hit like that. What do you guys think about the hit and, you know, subsequent other hits that have happened and gotten suspensions or not suspensions, so on and so forth. It's definitely punishable. I thought oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the uh, suspension was justified. I don't think he's a, any sort of a repeat offender, but when a player gets, you know, carted off the ice, the whole repeat offender doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah. But uh, I think four games is justifiable. So you look at a hit like this, and you think back to the Jake Truba hit that happened a couple of weeks ago, and you think to yourself, you know, those were similar situations. What was the differentiator between the two hits, do you guys think? Not, not much, really. Yeah, I don't see. I don't see a whole lot of differentiation between the two hits. Uh, personally speaking, Adam, have you seen both hits? Or are you kind of looking at it now? I I <laughs> saw. I I have seen them. I was just looking to see what the suspension for Truba was. 
He didn't get suspended. Jake Truba did not get a suspension for that. Did he not? He did not. How old is – oh, wow, that's really old. All right. Uh, then, yeah, no, it's just the NHL being NHL then. Yeah, like, I don't I, – I still kind of stand staunch in my thought that Truba's hit was not suspension worthy just because he never left his feet. The player saw that he was going to get hit. His head was down, sure, but it wasn't like he was turning up the boards or something like that, kind of like in the the Brent Connolly hit here. And it, it, Truba just laid the shoulder into him. Um, and I don't think he led with an elbow or anything like that. It was right in the shoulder. I still think the Jake Truba hit was clean. It was just really I, heavy. I think the biggest differentiator is the fact that in the Truba hit, the player had the puck. In the Connolly hit, the puck was nowhere near the player. And by the time that the guy was already on the on the ground or on the ice, the puck was going past them. Right. Yeah. And that's I can the agree biggest differentiator there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd say that's the, the big difference between the two and probably why Brett Connolly ended up getting suspended for it. Um, two, two side notes. One props and shouts out to Joe Pavelski for uh, talking about the hit and showing some compassion for uh, what was the name of the Stars player? Uh, Tanner Kiro. Kiro, because uh, I, I didn't listen to his uh, interview, but he was very emotional over it and almost kind of gave him flashbacks to the, the hit that happened to him in the Vegas Sharks game a couple years back that took him out of the game. Right. Uh, which kind of shows, like, to me anyway, and to a lot of other people in the comment section for those that interview, that he is very much a locker room. Uh, locker room leader and a guy that's pretty well respected and can also show that respect to his fellow teammates. I mean, I kind of expect nothing less from a Joe Pavelski. He's kind of a leader throughout the league, uh, not just the teams that he's played for. That's just kind of his mantras. He's a leadership kind of guy, good veteran to have in the locker room. Uh, But yeah, he definitely, uh, Joe Pavelski did definitely get emotional about the hit and it's, um, it's an unfortunate hit. Tanner Kiro was alert and responsive before going to the hospital for further observation. He definitely, he probably definitely has a uh, concussion. So he'll have to go through that kind of protocol there. Um, but, you know, the, the injury did obviously play a factor in the suspension, but I think the suspension was worthy and uh, they handed it down well. And I respect the league for doing so. All righty. Now let's get into the fun bit of the episode here. We're going to start with. The standings as they are at the Christmas break. This is usually the time when you can start kind of standings watch, as it were. So we are going to start in the Eastern Conference. And we're going to go through the division standings and then kind of take a a bigger scope look at it with the conference. So we will start in the Atlantic. Go a little bit alphabetical here. Uh, We're going to start in the Atlantic. Tampa Bay in first place, 42 points. However, tied with Toronto, who's in second place with 42 points. Uh, The Florida Panthers have dropped a little bit, but not too far at 40 points with Detroit behind them with a pretty decent gap at 33 points. The Boston Bruins at 30 points, the Buffalo Sabres at 25, Ottawa 20 and Montreal 17. So with the Atlantic, I think it's pretty much solid in the top three. I don't see that changing. I just don't think that Detroit or Boston are going to catch up to those top three teams. No? Uh, if they had to go on a hell of a run. 
if Toronto has to deal with no fans, I think that's going to really handicap, handicap, handicap their situation. Right. Especially, especially if they're going to have to play in a remote location. True, true. They, they did pretty good in the bubble. I was going to say the, they uh, – The Canadian division. Yeah. Yeah, but the idea of playing in front of no fans – to go play in front of rock, a raucous crowd, like if that's too excrete extremes, they're not going to benefit. I don't think they will, at least. I mean, true. Um, obviously, the Canada situation is going to have to be something that we keep track of, uh, just based off of the fact that they're a totally different government who will make up their own regulations and and so on and so forth. Maybe different from the way the United States handles it, but. Um, I still think Toronto is a good enough team that that's not going to affect them too heavily. I think I think they'll be in the top three, but I don't know if they're if that's the case. They'll win the division. Probably won't. I still don't have Toronto winning the division, whether fan attendance is affected or not. I still think Tampa Bay is winning that division pretty pretty handily. My biggest surprise in this division is actually two things. It is the Detroit Red Wings and the Boston Bruins who are in the four and five spot. Detroit being in the four spot is baffling to me, but also Lucas Raymond and Mo Sider are absolute studs. So good for Detroit and Stevie Y for doing what Stevie Y does. Um, But what is going on right now with Boston? Do we think it's goaltending? Do we think that the core is getting a bit older, a bit slower? Um, Right now they're sitting at only a plus two goal differential. So it's not like they're, you know, still outscoring teams at the pace that they used to. So what do we think's going on in Boston here, folks? I don't think they're getting enough depth pro- progression, and it is goaltending. I, I just don't think they have uh, a real stability in net when it comes to these two goalies. I think it lingers on the defense. I think, you know, the situation with like Jacob DeBrusque is also kind of lingering in the air with that team. And, right. uh, you know, you see with last year teams that get these big uh, COVID hits, which the Boston Bruins seem like they've been going through the past week, these big COVID hits, they might not recover. And that's true. Also, you know, not having to Rask, that's tough. Um, the, I mean, the, it's not like Jeremy Swayman and, um, Linus Olmark are bad goaltenders, but I don't think I'd consider either of them starter material. They're both solid backups in my book. Uh, and I think that's really negatively affecting the Boston Bruins. Adam, how about you? What do you think the, the main reason Boston is where they are? I feel like it's pretty much like everything you said at the top of this thing. It's a combination of defense it's a combination of goaltending not going the way they wanted to uh like fish said they're not getting that depth kind of scoring because after their big guys um Pasternak, mcavoy uh taylor hall i mean charlie coils and big guy yeah marshan's actually not even on this stats list which is kind of bizarre was Brad he Marchand the is team? struggling this year was he leading the team in points According to NHL's website, David Pasternak is currently leading the team with 21 points. And for whatever reason, Marchand and 
um, Bergeron are not on this list, and I'm kind of confused. <laughs> That's a fascinating. I'm wondering there. if maybe they got pulled because of COVID, and they're just showing the active players, which is kind of stupid. That would be quite fascinating. But either way, it, I, and I don't think anybody on the team is necessarily struggling, but I think I kind of agree with Matt. I think the the depth that they have relied on is just not coming through for them. That's exactly what the NHL website did. So ESPN has the full roster, and Marchand is leading with 27 points, Bergeron 23, and Pasternak 21. And then it trickles down all the way from there where you get the Jake DeBrusque who has eight, and then everyone below him is also in the single digits. So outside of your big guys, you have no score. Outside of the perfection line, and you have all three of those guys in the same line, if you're a one-line team, that's not going to help, especially if you can't keep up with the goaltending situation, obviously. So do we think that this is how the Boston Bruins are this year, or do we think that they're going to come back at the later end of the year and probably be in the top three? Nope. I I, I think this COVID – Bug is going to be their Titan, their iceberg to the Titanic. I I don't think they're going to be able to recover. Yeah, but also you got to think the rest of the league is going through the same thing. Not like them. They have the least amount of games played in the Atlantic at 26. Everyone else has played at least around 30. So that I think plays a big role. I don't think they sneak their way into the top three. I think ultimately if they get into the playoffs this year, it's going to be in a wild card race with Detroit. Right. And I think that the, that East wild card race will, we'll talk about it here shortly, but it's going to be something banana lands. Um, all righty, let's move to the Metro. Here's how that stacks up right now. Carolina still in first place with 43 points tied with the Washington capitals who also have 43 points. The New York Rangers at 42, only one behind the top two teams. The Pittsburgh Penguins sit at 39 points. The Columbus Blue Jackets at 29. That is a 10-point drop-off to the fifth position. And the Philadelphia Flyers with 29 points. New Jersey Devils, 25. And New York Islanders, 22. This division is confusing because it seems a bit flip-flop from what we had expected. uh, As we didn't think the Rangers were this good this early, which they are. And we did not expect Columbus to be anywhere near the middle and or top, depending on how you consider them, even though there is a 10 point gap between them and the Penguins. So when it comes to the Metro, I believe that the top four teams are pretty much solidified here. Uh, However, I could see a drop off from Pittsburgh at some point because I don't think their goaltending is going to hold up. That's just me. Um, But what about those bottom teams of Columbus, Philadelphia and Jersey? And I guess the Islanders, even though they sit at 22 points. Do you think any of those four teams could even potentially make a run at the top of the Metro? Or do you think they all have to put their eggs in one basket and look at the wild card? Yeah, you, but you're going to need a team to drop off. Like That's the only way. You're I only see a... the Penguins dropping. That's all I see. What about Washington? No. I do no. not see Washington dropping, no. especially I with could. Backstrom I... have returning, Ovechkin scoring like he's scoring, yeah, and their goaltending I... holding up. It's not holding up that well. Dude, they have a plus 27 goal differential. Because they're scoring <laughs> a lot of goals. I've been seeing okay. a lot of bad I've been seeing a lot of rough goaltending. It's not pretty. It's not pretty there. I'm just saying so you win seven five. You still win. Still. 
still. But um, they're, they're I think those I think those top three are pretty solidified. You know, depending Agreed. on injuries and everything, you might see a team kind of fall, but then they're gonna need to like really fall. Um, you, as far as injuries, like, I don't know. I still, I mean, you lose a big piece of your puzzle. It's it's hard to overcome. Which I can agree with, like, uh, I, heaven forbid, because I'm pushing for Ovi to beat the, the Gretzky uh, record, but say Ovi goes down, that's a huge piece of the goal-scoring puzzle that you're missing there. Um, but they still have TJ Oshie, Nicholas Backstrom, uh, I mean, you name it, um, Evgeny Kuznetsov. <laughs> They've been on COVID protocol for about a little less than a week. Yeah, but so is every team in the league at this point, except for a handful. Jesus Christ. I just saw the so, point total. Oh, yeah. Ovi is having a season. <laughs> what um, the hell? So I think we can agree the top teams are pretty much solidified. Uh, do you think that from Columbus down that these teams need to put all their eggs in the wild card basket? I think I do. I think only, I think you I can't just, even gun to the top of the division. I just think it's only two teams that really have a chance at that last wild card spot, and that's Columbus and Philly. I don't think Jersey has what it takes. I don't, and Islanders have, won't get it going until maybe late in the season where they're playing spoiler. Yeah, the Islanders would need to, like, rip off, like, 15 wins in a row to kind of get back into this. Um, but, you know, arguably, I don't think Columbus and Philly have it either. But let's let's widen our scope here since we're talking about the wild card. Let's widen the scope here, talk about the Eastern Conference. So right now the top – Eight teams, your playoff teams are as follows. Carolina, Washington, Tampa Bay, Toronto, New York, Florida, Pittsburgh, and Detroit. Those are your top eight teams. Two wildcard teams being Pittsburgh and Detroit. Currently sitting Pittsburgh at 39 points, Detroit at 33. Here is the wildcard race. Those two teams atop, obviously. And here we'll go... um, if it's more than a five-point deficit in the standings, I won't consider them. Here is the wild card race as follows. Boston, number nine, 30 points, three behind Detroit. Columbus at 29 points, four behind Detroit. Philadelphia at 29 points, four behind Detroit. And uh, I won't bring up the Jersey Devils because they are more than the aforementioned gap. Um, so... The wild card race right now being Philadelphia, Columbus, Boston, Detroit, and Pittsburgh. Who do you think the top two teams out of those top five are going to be? Because I feel like from six to one is not going to change. Maybe those placements will change, but I think those teams are going to be the top six, and that's just how it's going to go here in the East. So really the competition and the grit that we're going to have to be watching here for the Eastern Conference is from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia, basically. How do you think that shakes out? I think those card? two teams are the last wild card spots, Pittsburgh and Philly. I okay. think Phil, I think and when what, you look at the, the last the wild card spot. I got to ask, other than you being a homer, what's the reasoning you think Philadelphia is going to be able to pick up their bootstraps and get that second wild card spot? Carter Hart. No, first answer, Carter Hart. They got the best goaltender out of Columbus, Detroit, and Boston. They have it. They also yep, have yep. some pretty big pieces coming back. AKA maybe hopefully when this uh, Christmas break ends, they'll have a full roster and then you get Ryan Ellis back. So you're getting some big important pieces back into your lineup and back into the system. 
Right. And also, you you know, you're on a five-game point streak. You're 5 one one you're you seem to really um you know just i won't say get it going because some of these hasn't been pretty but you definitely are are bearing down playing together and finding ways to get it done well more more importantly they're scoring more than two goals a game i think that's more importantly that's how you win in the nhl is by scoring more than two goals a game so um, but then we got to talk about those teams in between because those teams should not be sneezed at uh, Detroit, Boston, and Columbus. I do. I don't think Detroit has. They're still on a young team. I don't think they'll have what it takes when it comes down to like late February into March, like those important games late in the season. And I think Boston's going to have a lure, uh, a lure, a lure at, with this COVID, uh, COVID crap they've been going through this past week i don't know if they'll be able to cover and i also made the statement that i don't think their goaltending is very good so right right um all right so give me out of those five your two wild card teams and the three that are just outside okay so my two wild card teams are the two metro teams pittsburgh and philly and then i have columbus just missing and then i'll have detroit Boston. Okay. All right. Uh, Adam, how about you? How does this shake out for you in your mind since, uh, you know, you're kind of outside of the East, you're outside of the Metro and the Atlantic. So how do you think these five teams shake out as far as this wildcard race is concerned? And, you know, more importantly, do you think there's going to be a change to the top, the top six? Uh, Top six. I feel like it's not going to vary too crazy unless something super diabolical happens. I think, where the teams fall might be different, but I think the top six that we see is what we're going to get. Um, as far as the wild card goes, honestly, I think the Metro, the top four in the Metro is pretty much locked in. I don't think there's going to be any movement outside of that. I feel like Pittsburgh's a lock and the real wild card race to me is going to be between Detroit and Boston. Okay. Right. Um, what, what about I, those two teams, especially mostly Detroit? What about Detroit screams that they can do this for the long haul of the season? I don't know. It's a, it's just a gut feeling. If I'm honest, I do want to mention they're at a minus 16 goal differential. I don't ever really look at that because again, yes, it's a, it's a good stat to look at, but I guess I fall into that stat the same way people fall into the plus minus. So uh, I never really look at the goal differential at the end of the day. If you're scoring more goals, you're winning. And the fact that they're in the wild card spot and not with the Islanders where I feel like that the standings should have been, I feel like this should be flipped. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Not the Red Wings, but Hey, this is where we're at. Like I'm not, I'm not locking in Detroit as that wild card. I just feel like they're going to fight to keep that spot. I think, Ultimately, Boston squeaks through. I can't see the Flyers actually getting the lock-in. I think they might make a run, but I, I don't think they get it. And the same thing with the Blue Jackets. I don't think they get it. I think Honestly, I think the Blue Jackets' doors all but shut at this point. I think they're going to start looking to retool a little bit more. Um, they are going to get Patrick Laine eventually back. Yeah, but I don't know if he's really helped them when he was there, I feel like it hasn't done too much for them. Um, 
But who knows? Hockey's a weird sport. But as far as, you know, putting an actual, like, stamp on what's going to happen, I think it's going to be Pittsburgh and Detroit as your wild card. Okay. All right. How does the other, how do the other three shake out for you? I honestly, I feel like it's going to shake out the way that we're seeing it right now. There might be some variation, but I feel like if anything, I feel like Boston's going to be the one that just squeaks um, under and doesn't get through and Philly might flip with Columbus. But other than that, I can't see too much variation just because of how tight everything is. And I mean, I make the standing graphics every week, so I'm seeing the movement and there's been very little movement right yeah um i kind of agree with adam here but i do have one difference i think the two wild card teams that are going to make it in is actually pittsburgh and boston if there's one thing i've learned through watching hockey in my years of doing so is never discount the boston bruins um i i, I take that philosophy with the penguins yeah well yeah that i have pittsburgh in there but Boston's going to find a way to do it. They just, they always seem to find a way to do it. Is it going to be the last wild card spot? Yeah, but they're going to find a way to get into those playoffs because that's just how the Boston Bruins are. Um, and honestly, how the Pittsburgh Penguins are as well. I have them as the two top wild card spots that get in. As far as the other three, I have it sitting uh, as Detroit, Philadelphia, Columbus. Um, yeah, Philadelphia is getting carried by Carter Hart right now. Um, I just don't think they have the ability to do it. I don't. I don't think they have the ability to do it. I think we're going to be looking at a very interesting offseason in Philadelphia with what is next. Do we rebuild? Do we retool? Which is the choice that Chuck Fletcher is going to make? Um, but also, you know, on the flip coin, you have Detroit, who just barely misses. But now Detroit is a serious team again and something that has to be considered in the Atlantic for years to come because Steve Eiserman is a god. Um, as far as Columbus is concerned, I think they go into full rebuild mode, um, keeping some pieces to make fans happy. But I think that that window has has kind of closed for them. Uh, unfortunately, they have two really good goaltenders that might get turned around for really good picks and some decent players. Uh, but I think they go into full rebuild mode. Um, I couldn't really pinpoint which way Philadelphia is going to swing right now. To be honest with you, I don't think Philadelphia has the legs to make a wild card spot right now. Um, I will say this thinking about it more. If for whatever reason, Philly decides they're going to turn it on and make a run. I would not be surprised if they go, balls to the wall and make a big splash at the deadline agreed um i don't know what that splash will be but if they do um, end up at, winning a couple of games and getting into the thick of it i could see it I, I i don't don't ask me why i don't know how they'll pull it off but i'm looking at a certain russian in the western conference that may or may not be uh i might have a little bit of gloria to him if you're, you're catching where i'm going well, we're about to talk about the Western Conference, and the only, th the only reason I think that is not doable is because of where that team currently sits. Um, so let's move into the Western Conference with the Central and Pacific Divisions. We'll talk about the Central first. Mm, excuse me, my goodness. Um, let's talk about that Central Division. Right now it sits at Minnesota with 40 points in first place, Nashville in second place with 39 points. I don't know how that happened, but here we are. Um <laughs> The St. Louis Blues in third with 39 points, Colorado in fourth with 36, Winnipeg 33, Dallas 32, Chicago 26, Arizona 14. 
I I see a lot of change in this division, and I'm kind of interested to see what you guys think will happen here, uh, especially with Colorado being in fourth place. Um, but uh, Matt, I'll ask you first: what what changes, if any, do you see coming out of this division right now? What's the the, the Pacific? No, the Central. Central. The Central. K K K K. Well, um. Boy, I just look at that top the, that top team, Minnesota. Something about it. I just think they might slip a little bit and might drop to the wild card. Like, you look at, like, Colorado and Minnesota. I mean, we all basically pick Colorado to win this division. Um, it's hard to say that they're just going to stay consistent. They might because if they still don't run into any problems – They'll probably still coast to the top three. Um, you look at like Nashville, their goal scorers have been scoring, um, which has been the reason why they're in the top three. I mean, if that's if that slows down the slightest, they're gonna fall. But that doesn't really seem like it's likely. And the right. blues are an anomaly an anomaly because you know there's a couple, they'll show a couple games where they look really good and they look like a perennial Stanley Cup contender, and then they'll play like Arizona and then like lose. Right. Yeah, I can see what you're saying there, but I still don't think Minnesota's moving from that top spot, just me personally. Um, But Adam, how about you? Uh, What movement, if any, do you see in this division? I agree with you on the fact that Minnesota's probably not going to move from that top spot. I don't know why, but they just feel like they're going to hang on to that number one. Um, I feel like Nashville and St. Louis will probably slip, allowing Colorado to bump up. And I'm going to say it's going to be Colorado probably ending up in second, St. Louis probably in third, and Nashville getting that wild card. I'm I, I'm not 100% sure, depending on you know how things shake up, but that's what just feels right. But I don't know. I'm starting to wonder if Colorado's goaltending – is now, you know, what kind of carried them on top of their big guns on the forward side of things. Right. Um, I don't know if I could say the goaltending carried them, but definitely goaltending is an issue for the team right now. Um, To me, I don't think Minnesota moves. I think Nashville drops to the um, aforementioned wildcard spot and St. Louis takes the second spot with Colorado slipping into the third spot there. Uh, that's the main movement I see. I don't know what it is about Winnipeg. I just don't think that Connor Hellebuck can carry an entire franchise on his own. Um, very Carter Hart-esque in his ways as far as carrying a team on his back uh, to, to soreness type of levels. But, um, yeah, I see it going Minnesota, St. Louis, Colorado, Nashville. Um, but let's move into the Pacific then. Uh, first place, Vegas, 40 points. Second place, Anaheim with 40 points. Uh, Calgary Flames in third, 36 points. Edmonton Oilers, 36 points in fourth. The Los Angeles Kings, only three points behind with 33. San Jose, 31. Vancouver, 30. And Seattle, 23. What do we think about the Pacific Division? Because there is a team that is not supposed to be here. That is here. (laughs) And they're tied for the first spot. What is going on? Um, all right, let's, uh, any changes, if any, and what changes we will reference Matthew Fisher. He's Matt. 
Matthew Fisher. Matthew uh, Fisher. Uh, um, I look at a team like Calgary. Uh, they're like a team I'm comparing like kind of the Boston that they just kind of had their uh, season kind of hit with this COVID bug pretty hard. And that might be kind of a iceberg to the Titanic and they might start sinking. Um, you know, their goal scorers have been scoring consistently throughout the year, including uh, – a resurgence from a newcomer in Manji Apani. Uh, and you also got the consistency of a guy who might be looking for a big contract at the end of the year in Johnny Gaudreau. And then you look at a guy like Matthew Kachuk, who's looking to be a, be the captain of the team. And it's a kind of like you, when you hear how they kind of play, it's not really – like a, a unit, like they're all, they're all a lot of stars trying to, you know, show what they got, I think. Right. It's more of like yeah. a showcase than a team almost. Right. Yeah, no, okay. I, I can see what you're saying there. Uh, more importantly, though, Anaheim. What, <laughs> what, what happens with the Ducks here? Um, I think they stay about the same. I think they'll come in second. They might disappoint in the playoffs, but I think they'll finish strong and come in second. Okay. All right. Adam, how about you? What is uh, What are your predictions for the Pacific Division in the second half here? Uh, oof. Oof. That's <laughs> all I got to say is oof. Um, I feel like a lot of what we're seeing is what we're going to get. Vegas is probably going to stick at number one mainly because they're not even at their final form yet. <laughs> they still have Jack Eichel waiting in the wings. Which is true. <laughs> they're doing very well without him. They, they seemingly come back to form. Max Pacioretty's back to form. Team's starting to do a lot better than where they were a few weeks back. Anaheim is on a plane of existence their own. I don't know if they're like in the multiverse or what is happening. They're in the metaverse. They're in, they're straight up in the metaverse, just picking yeah, their future themselves. We we walk through a portal, and I'm all here for it. Um, it's been very strange. Unfortunately for my sharks, um, I feel like if there's any movement, fish has something to say. I did like, want to make a point about the Anaheim Ducks, and I know they're a flamboyant team. Their offensive power, when shown appropriate, when shown correctly can be very eye-popping but then you see them play like a, a eastern conference team like the penguins or the rangers and then they lose like one nothing or like four to two or like you know like stuff that they don't look like when they're facing like a pacific team or a central team so there is kind of like a if the if they play a certain style that they're going to run into some major problems than when they're facing a style that their offense can kind of prosper in. So they're right. kind of um, like that, kind of like a team that's kind of like a, it's like a, a, a different type of mirror. Like in, it might look pretty, but then like it might just, it might come down the, like come down to earth. Right. And that's something I could see them addressing um, at the trade deadline is their size and strength because they do run the uh, 
the old run and gun, as it were, where they're not going to stop you from your chances, but uh, good luck stopping them from theirs. Yeah. Um, but you go ahead, continue, Adam, from what you were saying. Uh, well, it's funny you brought up the trade deadline. There's one team I definitely see making a move out of this division at the deadline, and that's going to be Edmonton. I expect a, a goaltending improvement, and I think that's what will push them over Calgary to get that third spot. And then more than likely, Cal- Calgary will hold on to the wild card. I don't know why I have a weird feeling about the Kings. I don't know if they're going to go on like a weird run because Jonathan Quick seems to have made a little bit of a rebound. Yeah, what's uh, up with him? He's playing like he's in his 20s again. I Listen, man, goaltenders are weird. You should know. That's a fact. That is a fact. <laughs> Like I would love to see more from the Sharks, but at this point, I'm starting to see a lot of what I saw in years past where they're just not shooting the puck. Um, there's a little bit more shooting from guys like Carlson, which I love to see. It feels like Carlson's kind of started to come back into his own a little bit, but it's not going to be enough to push them over the edge. Uh, Reimer has been playing out of, out of this world better than I expected. Um, but I think my top four is going to be Vegas, Anaheim, Edmonton, Calgary for the Pacific. I have the same top four, um, and I do also think that Edmonton is going to make that goaltending change at the trade deadline, and I think it's going to come in the form of Tuka Rask. Um, Interesting. I, I was think, thinking flower. <laughs> I, I think it comes in the form of Tuka Rask, and uh, that that is also what propels them to that third spot, uh, as the Pacific would be Vegas, Anaheim, Calgary, Edmonton. So – with that being so said, weird, though. that's just so weird. You think that Boston's going to trade their star goaltender and still who hasn't make played playoff. all year and they haven't and still signed? Still make the playoffs. Hold, hold, hold on, hold on. Tuka Rask is a free agent. Yeah, he's not signed by anybody right now. It's no. not even a trade. No, huh? it wouldn't be a trade. It would be an acquisition. Oh, pretty sure he's a free agent. I'll look it up right now. Yeah, right now he he has no ownership rights to anywhere. Nobody has brought on Tuka Rask. And I he's, think it's because of he's waiting for Boston to bring him back, I guess. But And that's the only reason why I don't think it'll be him that Edmonton gets, unless they make him an offer that he just can't refuse. Um, but really, I think it'll probably come down to Flurry or one of the goaltenders out of um, Seattle. Are there – not Seattle. I don't think Seattle's moving on from there, guys. There was a team that had an abundance of goaltending that they might move, and I can't remember who it was. I don't know why I wanted to say Colorado. Columbus? It, you might, it might have been Columbus, yeah. Merzlikens, Corpusalo? Corpusalo. That's the name I was thinking of. Thank you. So yeah. I think it'll end up Flower or uh, Corpy that end up going over to Edmonton. And honestly, I kind of think it might be Flower. <laughs> yeah, Corpusalo's name has been tossed around a couple of times uh, here at the Christmas break, so that is something to keep a, uh, a keen eye on. But with those eight teams kind of being solidified, at least in our minds, let's look at the teams below those eight. Winnipeg, 33 points, uh, three behind Edmonton. Los Angeles, 33 points, three behind Edmonton. Dallas, 32, four behind. And San Jose, 31, five behind. Do we think any of those horses might end up squeaking their way into the, that top eight? Winnipeg or L.A. are my only two. Those are also the only two that I have having a chance. Really? It's slim. I mean, I look at a team like a veteran team like Dallas. Like, they really pulled themselves out of the weeds already just to be in contention. And I, I just, they're a veteran team. 
I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, though. The West is not a strong division like the East is. It's no, not. not that's no, not it's not. Anyway. That's very true. That's very yeah. true. It is not as strong as the East right now, um, which is weird because usually throughout you know hockey history, the West has been the dominant division or uh, conference, I should say. Yeah, the, Cal- um, the California Triangle. Yeah, it's true. Um, but when it comes down to it, uh, I kind of agree with something that Matt said earlier, where I don't think I think the West is lacking in size. And the East has nothing but size as far as like strength. The West. I feel like it's the other way around. I feel like the East has all the speed guys. What heavy hitting team are you seeing out of the West here? I don't know. (laughs) See, to me, the East, I mean, the East has Washington, um, Tampa Bay, who can go through you. They can also go around you. Um, The Rangers, who have no problem with doing both. I think that's those teams all have the the scoring and speed threats that it overshadows their strength in my eyes. Like I just see the 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 offensive side and not the physical side. Well, what more what I'm saying is I think the East can win those one nothing games. I think you shut down the speed of the West, they got no kind of comeback to a one nothing two one game. Right. Uh, because they can't get by it to get those chances. So I think the advantage is in the East as far as the Stanley Cup winner is concerned, but obviously that is a far too early prediction to be making, so we won't even attempt. Um, I mean, hey, I've already called the Florida Panthers are winning the Cup, so let's get crazy. See, I have the Carolina Hurricanes winning the Cup, so Rod the Bod's going to take that team. Um, yeah, it's going to be Florida. Yeah, yeah. However Give you it want the jumbo. Give it to Give jumbo. jumbo. You, just, you just want Joe to win one. That's what you want. Well, Yes, but no. Like I, we talked about this. I think when Fish wasn't here, where uh, it was Carolina and Florida going back to back when they were still undefeated. And I said whoever won that game was the one that was going to win the cup because it's just how things work. Man, sometimes that is just how things work. All right, let's move forward into some more funness that we have here. We have your league leaders in the major categories. Let's get into it here, folks. We will start with goals. I would like you gentlemen to predict who is the top five in goal scoring as we sit right now here in the year of our Lord, 2021. <laughs> baby Jesus. Um, baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. Baby Jesus. Uh, you want to take it first fish? You want me to? Yeah, I'll go. All so right. first, Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, two, Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, three is Austin Matthews, I think. Uh, four, I'd say Connor's on there, Connor McDavid. And then five, I want to cheat so bad because now I, now I got my phone. I can cheat. <laughs> yeah. I can cheat. Well, that's right. We haven't called out the fact that Fish has a computer now. Yeah, Fish is on a computer instead of his cell phone now. So that's, a, that's a new advancement here on the pod. Um, hmm. Christmas miracle. Um, I'm going to say Stamkos. Stamkos is on the top five goals, right? right? Throwing Stammer in there. All right. So you have um, – you said – Austin Matthews, Connor Ovi. McDavid, Alex Ovechkin. I said, I said, Ovi was first. I Ovi, Ovi was Leon Dreisaitl, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, Steve Stamkos. Okay. All right. All righty. Uh, Adam, how about yourself? Ovi, Matthews, 
Dreisaitl. Um, I'm going to go crazy and say Troy Terry and McDavid. All right. You guys were heavy on McDavid, and he is not even – I was going to say. Not even in the top was. five. I couldn't no. – I didn't think he was, but I couldn't think of anyone else that was scoring goals at a crazy rate. He is one goal away from being in the top five, however. But okay. here is how it shakes out right now. Number one, Leon Dreisaitl, 23 mm. goals. Number two, Alex Ovechkin, 22 goals. Number three, Austin Matthews, 20 goals. And let me tell you the three-way tie we have in fourth here. Kyle Connor of the Winnipeg Jets, 18 Mm. goals. Chris Kreider of the New York Rangers, 18 goals. Troy Terry of the Anaheim Ducks, 18 (laughs) goals. Um, I... (laughs) Honestly, Leon Dreisel, Alex Ovechkin, Austin Matthews, that's all fine and dandy. I, Kyle Connor, Chris Kreider, and Troy Terry, yes, please. Yeah. Loving yeah. the fact that they're in the top five. That is awesome. Troy Terry is awesome the and biggest I love it. shock, honestly. Troy Terry is the biggest shock as well as Chris Kreider. Um, Chris Kreider surprises me to no ends here. Yeah, I the guess fact so. that he's there. Um, all right, let's move into assists. Who do we think Jesus. is in the top five in assists as it sits right now in the league? Maddie Fish, you can go right ahead, my friend. Top five. Ooh. Uh, I'll throw Connor's name out there because it's just an easy name to throw out. Um, is Panarin on there? I'll say Panarin. I'll say uh, it's tough. Who's passing on puck to Troy Terry? Uh, Nobody. I think he's just scoring on his own. Troy Terry's just doing it on his own here. Um, I won't say anyone there. So I got two. Put that phone down. Oh, no. I'm looking at the the standings, bro. Looking at the standings. How are we supposed to know? (laughs) Um, (laughs) John Tavares. I'll throw in the, the assist. Ooh, that's a good one. It's either there you got one more. Um, I'll say Mitch Marner, too. Okay. All right. Adam, yourself? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, oh, Jesus. I love and hate assists so much. I'm going to say number one, McDavid. Number two, I'll say John Tavares. Uh, I don't know. I, I've got nothing here on assists. I don't pay attention to those. I pay attention to the pretty goals that go in. <laughs> no, number three, uh, I'll go Panarin. Four, I'm going to go I'm trying to go like outside the box here. I'm going to go Nylander at four. Okay. Five, I'll go let's go really crazy Joe Pavelski. Okay. All right. Um, I know I'm wrong. <laughs> you guys were all over the place. Uh, here's how it shakes out. Number one, Connor McDavid, 32 points. I feel like everybody discounts the fact that he makes most of his points in assists. Um, number two, Nazem Kadri at 27. Oh, my Jesus. Yes. Number three, Leon Dreisaitl, 26 assists, tied with Adam Fox, 26 oh. assists. And number five, Alex Ovechkin with 25 assists. I almost um, said Ovi. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that you guys kind of forgot about Ovi as far as assists are concerned. 
Um, but you know, hey, what are you gonna do? You know. Um, all righty, and then the third big one. Let's talk about top five in points. Jesus. You can reference a lot of the same players here, guys. It's, it's not uh, super out of the box. All right, Matt, go ahead. Hmm. Well, it's hard not to go with the two-horse race. You got to go with the dry sidle McDavid. You, they're, they're in the top five. Uh, Ovi's in the top five. That's three. I'll throw Matthews in the top five points. And then uh, – Chris Kreider. I'll throw Chris Kreider in the top five points. Alrighty, alrighty. Uh, Adam, yourself? Okay. OV1, McDavid, two. Uh, no, Dry Sidle, two, McDavid, three, four. I'm going to steal Kreider, I think, from Fish. Okay. And I'm going to go crazy just because I love the fact that it's a possibility. Troy Terry, number five. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys got the top three pretty solid. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl tied at 49 points. Alex Ovechkin at 47. Number four, Nazem Kadri, 38 points. Right? Scoring <laughs> too? What the fuck? And at Who number five, at number five, everybody's forgetting about the Russian wonder boy, Kirill Kaprizov, 36 points. What the fuck? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'll go over some other notable uh, leaders in different things here. Um, goals created. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, 19.1. Um, plus minus. This one shocked me. Ryan Hartman of the Minnesota Wild, 22. Plus 22 in the stat line there. I've been seeing his name a lot. You love to see it. You love to see it. Um, power play goals. Leon Dreisaitl with 13. Game winning goals. Leon Dreisaitl with 6. <laughs> shots <laughs> Alex Ovechkin 145 that checks out <laughs> that absolutely checks out 145 hell yeah shorthanded goals Scott Lawton too Whoa. my man loves scoring shorties eh? at least at least the Flyers got something yeah then, yeah um goals doesn't Cam, have, <laughs> doesn't Cam have two or three Cam Atkinson uh he's up there um Oh, he does have two. He is, he's in that tied tied mark. I don't I didn't want to go through all the names. I kind of was just gonna wanted to go with number one, but uh there's a lot of guys at two. Um goals per game, Max Pacioretty, even with missing time at 0.86 goals a game. Um, see, he's got like a crazy comeback, it seems like. Let's let's talk about the uh the painful ones here. These ones are always oh. kind of fun for, for me to go over here. Um, total goals on ice against Brett Burns, 48. God, gee, I mean, uh, that actually doesn't surprise me, but at the same time it does, I would have thought it was Carlson. Pain, pain. Would also, Carl- also pain. Power play goals against on ice. Oh, Thatcher God. Demko, the Vancouver Canucks. That doesn't surprise me because Vancouver is not great. All righty. What else we got here? Um, total goals against Robin Leonard was 70. That checks out. That does check out. Yeah. But you know, Hey, it's what you're going to do, I guess. Uh, what's another panda. fun one to wrap it up here? Um, hey, fighting categories. I'm looking for fighting categories, but you know, the biggest fighting category everybody looks at is, uh, penalty minutes. 
And who, that... who leads the league in penalties? Oh, uh, let's see. Who leads the league in penalty minutes? It's going to be, I think Reeves is out hurt, so it can't be him. It is Liam O'Brien of the Arizona Coyotes, tied with Zdeno Chara at 57. What? Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. He's had like three fights this year. Yeah, I don't know why people keep thinking just because Zdeno Chara got old that it's okay to step to him. It's not. It's not going to end your way. It's just not going to happen. We, talk, we didn't talk about it in detail. I think we referenced the dude that he obliterated on Nashville. Oh, absolutely. Just demolished. I forget the poor guy's name, but... Damn, did he too. get just rocked. He just looked like a USC fighter. Oh, another fun one here. Shooting percentage. Ooh. Marcus Fellino with a 28%. Ooh. Right okay. on. Right on. Uh, I do want to get one more painful one because these ones are always fun. Um, uh, goals allowed adjusted. Um, no, that's that's a good stat. I don't I don't want that. Um, <laughs> losses, Jake Allen, Montreal. That one kind of yeah. That actually kind of checks out. Yeah, that 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 checks out for me. Um, all righty, let's move into some hockey trivia. Hey. We'll wrap up the episode here with some hockey trivia. I only have a couple of questions for you, gents, but I think they're fascinating in in a way here. Um, here we go. Um, Any of these multiple choice? No. Fuck. No, they're, no, they're not. Um, who became the first father and son to win the NHL's Most Valuable Player Award? Ooh. Is this like a buzzer, or is this like a? You can, you can just go if you know it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Brett and Bobby Hall, right? It is Brett and Bobby Hall. Ooh. Yes, the father-son duo to win the MVP of the league. My grandpa, when uh, he was alive, because, like, he would he would go – we've been – my family's been going games forever. He would tell me stories about when uh, Brett Hall came to town. He's like, oh, man, he was the most noticeable player on the ice. He had these slick blonde hair. He was just flying everywhere all over the ice. He's the most noticeable player on, on, the, on the ice. You know, those holes were some man rockets. They were. They're two good-looking dudes. Um, let's move on. Uh, how many designated face-off spots are there in a hockey rink? Six. Ooh, that's the one everybody wants to go for. I, I think I just realized what it was. I think it's seven. It seven. is not seven. No? It is Nine. Uh, I know what I'm forgetting. You have the two in the zone on both sides. That's four. The two in the uh, the neutral zone. That's eight. And then the dot, the center dot. That is nine. Trumped your boys there. Oh, man. Always good. Always good. Um, here's a simple question you guys should know. When did the NHL begin? I have not a goddamn clue. <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, 2014. <laughs> um, 17. I want to say, uh, what was it, 2020? Uh, I want to say like 1938. Because mm. I remember the 100-year anniversary was not Ooh. too long ago. 
Look at you doing uh, your math. The 100 year anniversary was in 2017 as oh, the league began years. in 1917, 19. a day before my birthday, November 26, 1917, in oh, Montreal, wait. Canada. You were born in 1917. That makes you 120 some odd years old. What the fuck? Correct. And I look great. Thank you very much. You do. Uh, <laughs> I'm concerned. All righty. No. Who is the only person to win the Stanley Cup as a player, coach, and GM? Oh, Jesus. Has Mario- an award named after him. Nope, never mind. <laughs> Scotty Bowman. No, but good guess. That was a good guess. I'm trying to I'm trying to run through all the awards now. Um, um Maurice Richard, right? No, he was never no. a GM. He was never a GM. Ooh. Uh it's not Selkie, right? It is not Selkie, no. I believe I he was only so. a player. It is Jack Adams. Oh shit, I should have known that. The Jack Adams Award, yes. Yes, four <laughs> four letters of my name. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, he ended what up the winning hell? the cup as a player coach and GM. Here's a fun question, just because the answer is hysterical. When both the Buffalo Sabres and the Vancouver Canucks entered the, the league in 1970, how did the league determine which team made the first pick in the entry draft? Point flip. Close. Drew, yeah. drew from the hat. Drew yeah, from it's the hat. Just a gun. You're getting a bit farther away. A giant oh. wheel was spun. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> they spun was... a giant wheel. That's um, awesome. <laughs> just, That's awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> I was hoping there's going to be a game of rock, paper, scissors, to be honest with you. I got, uh, I got two more for you here. In 1978, the NHL shut down one struggling team and merged it with the Minnesota North Stars. No other big four North American league has done this since. What was the unfortunate team that became a part of the Minnesota North Stars? Was it the California Seals? No, but good guess. Good guess. I know why I keep wanting to say the Atlanta Flames. No, they were just directly moved to Calgary. They were okay. Um, remember any the Quebec, Quebec Nordiques? No, nope, no. Oh, stuff. You got to really think obscure here. Very obscure. I'm, I'm surprised this team still existed in 1978. Oh boy, 78. Uh, Whalers. No, no, but you guys are on the right the right boat here. The Cleveland Barons. Would never have guessed that. I don't even know who they are. The Cleveland Barons were merged with the Minnesota North Stars in 1978 after five depressing seasons of no more than 15 wins. Um, what do expansion teams do? Exactly. All righty, here's the last question for you. Yormir Yager, who turns 45 uh, in 2017 when apparently this was created, so now he's, uh, what, 49, almost 50? Uh, He's still playing, but he's not even close to being the oldest player in NHL league history. Which star played past the age of 50 years old? Uh, Oh, Jesus. Uh, How? Yep, Gordy Howe played until he was 51 years old. I want a big boy Adam to get it. Yeah. All right. yeah. Listen, all right. I don't have the hockey knowledge you guys have. That's why I was planning to host this because I knew I was at a severe disadvantage. 
<laughs> but hey, I'll take my one. And here's a fun one because I like to take digs at this team because it's really funny. Oh, Who won oh, the no. Stanley Cup in 1967? Oh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Toronto Maple Leafs. And hey. they haven't won one since then. Hold take on. Take that, Can I Steve find... Dangle, and your dumb podcast. Oh, I need to find... <laughs> wins since twitter i gotta find this twitter account so i can get the official numbers oh yeah the official days months years oh yeah here we go it has been as of 46 minutes ago 19,950 days since a cup and most importantly 668 days since losing to an ahl zamboni driver (laughs) i always love making digs of the toronto maple leafs it makes me feel good about the holiday season Happy holidays, folks. Merry Christmas to those who observe. Other than that, have fun with your families. Please stay safe. Do it in the safest way possible. Um, With much love from the On the Power Play podcast, happy holidays. Uh, Go follow us on our social medias on Twitter and Instagram at OTPPpod. While you're on those socials, go ahead and click the link and go to our merch store. We got plenty of awesome stuff for the winter months in that merch store. Go ahead, wear it, rep it, rep the brand. As always, thank you for listening. We out. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody.